Well, good morning, church. How are y'all this morning? We're awake and ready to dig into God's Word this morning. I'm Pastor Corby. Uh, I consider it a privilege to stand before you this morning and share a little bit about what the Spirit's been laying on my heart this week. Uh, in this season of Christmas, there's, there's a lot of preparation that goes on, isn't there? Uh, we're putting out Christmas decorations, and we're preparing for meals. We're doing all this stuff in, in order to prepare for what we're celebrating. We're celebrating the birth of Jesus, and, and there's a lot of excitement and joy that comes around that. This week is week two of Advent, and we're, we're looking at this idea of prepare. What does it mean to prepare the way for Jesus? Uh, as we dig into uh, John the Baptist, who, who was prophesied to be the one who would prepare the way for Jesus. And what does that impact, and how does that impact our lives, and what can we learn from, from that? As I was thinking about uh, John the Baptist and, and, and my life and labels, you know, we think about John the Baptist, he, he was labeled uh, someone who uh, wore kind of uh, clothes that were not the same as others, and he ate locusts and honey, and he lived in the wilderness, and there was this unique aspect about John the Baptist uh, and, and for each of us, if I was going to give you a, uh, a name tag this morning and ask you to fill it out with labels that you carry around or you, that you wear, uh, I'm sure we each could come up with a lot of labels that, that, we, that we carry. Like it's, maybe it has to do with what, what we work or uh, where we live or who we are. Some of them labels are, are good labels. Some of them labels are maybe like, ah, I'd rather just kind of avoid that label and kind of do everything I can to remove it or take it off. Uh, for myself, I was thinking about these labels. I'm, I'm a son, I'm a, I'm a husband, a father, I'm a Christian, a follower of Jesus, I'm a, I'm a pastor, a youth pastor, I'm a runner, and I'm a marathoner. And, and these labels are all good labels, and, and I'm okay with them, and I'm sure if I continued to lean into it a little bit more, I'd, I'd identify some labels that maybe I didn't want to have, but they've been given to me by others throughout the years or just some, some things that have happened. Uh, but I want to just spend a few moments and look at this idea of what it means to be a marathoner. And I, I understand that when I talk about running, for some of you in this room, you're like, okay, just stop now. I don't, I don't want to hear about running. I, I, I'm not a runner, and that's okay. So all right, if you're not a runner, I hope that uh, you don't check out for the next two minutes as I share about this, but uh, th- hopefully it'll connect the dots for later on. Uh, it's because we, we run these, we had these labels, and for me, uh, to be a marathoner, I have to do what? I have to, what, run a marathon, right? And so for anyone who's run a marathon, who run any kind of competitive race, you, you ha- you're able to wear these, these labels, and, and for me, it's a marathoner. Uh, and, and so in order to do that, it took preparation, it took pr- training, it took work to get there. And so uh, in the course of preparing for running 26.2 miles, you know, you, you go out and you pound a, pound a pavement and you run daily, uh, all, as oftentimes 5, 10, 15, 20 miles in, in preparation for the event that you're going to run. It required for me to understand what my body needed as far as hydration, uh, I needed to drink enough water so that I would have enough uh, hydration in my system in order to run the race. It took nutrition. It was understanding how many calories I needed to eat throughout the race and when to eat calories and when to take the gels and, and do things in order that I wouldn't bonk out at some point and be like, okay, I just got to give up. But along with the physical training, it required mental training. There's, there's a mental training preparing your mind for that moment in the race where your body says you just want to give up, you want to quit. And so there's this mental preparation that goes into 
training. Most times you, they talk about this wall that you hit at mile 20 and it's real. I mean, it's this moment that you're like, okay, I just want to give up. And so there's this, this uh, importance of training mentally for the race that, lied, that was ahead of me. And now being a marathon is, a marathoner is cool and there's, there's something unique about that, but it's not something I want to st- stick, put a stake in the ground and be like, this is who I am. This is not the label that I want to be like, live my life to be a marathoner. And, and, and I think uh, this morning my, my goal is to help you identify a label that we should all be like, this is who I want to be. And that label is this neon sign pointing to Jesus. If anything in my life's journey, I want people to know me as someone who has Jesus and is pointing to Jesus. And it's just this neon flashing light, right? Jesus, Jesus, this way. This is what you need to do. And so in, to st- at the start of this message, I want to pose this question to you to think about as I, we dig into the story of John the Baptist. Are you a neon sign pointing to Jesus? Is that you? Could you write on that label, Jesus, that way? Neon sign pointing to Jesus. I'm the messenger allowing others to know about Jesus. Are you preparing the way for him to change the lives of others? Are you doing the work to prepare the way for others to know about Jesus and know him as their Lord and Savior? You see, our job as followers of Jesus is to prepare the way for others to know Jesus. As we think about this idea of preparation and, and we look at Scripture, we know that in, in there was prophecy, and we're going to look at them, of this, this one that will be called the messenger of Jesus, the one that would come before Jesus and, and prepare the way. And, and John the Baptist, he wore this label, I believe, of neon light, neon sign pointing to Jesus because all of his actions, all of his life pointed towards the one that was coming after him. Well, John maybe wore several different labels. This was the most important one that he wore. Messenger of Jesus. Called to prepare the way for Jesus. I want to spend some time this morning looking at a a pretty large chunk of, of, of the gospel of, of Luke and a little bit of John. And so if you have your scripture, if your Bible, you turn to Luke 1. I'm going to be spending some time there and looking, about, looking at John the Baptist. We know the gospel of, of Luke was written a little bit differently than the other three gospels where the, the, the author spends this time at the beginning of Luke 1 talking about this John the Baptist who will be born as the one who will come. And it spends time, it seems like a, maybe a lot of time on Zechariah and Elizabeth and, and this preparation for who would come. And there's importance in, in, uh, of knowing this story. And so I'm going to start in, in verse 11 of Luke 1. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have, a, you will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must n- never touch wine or alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. 
And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will, he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. A few things I want to point out about this, this passage about John is, the Baptist is, is this. All right. The angel is, is declaring that Elizabeth, who was unable to have children, is going to have a child, and they're going to find great joy in this, and this child is going to be named John, and he's going to fulfill the prophecies that had been prophesied 800 or more years ago. This child will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before birth, and we see this actually evidenced in when Mary comes to visit Elizabeth, and they're both pregnant, and, and the baby inside of Elizabeth's womb jumps for joy in the presence of Mary and baby Jesus. We see that in verse 15 that John was supposed to be set apart. He was kind of like a Nazarite, right? He wasn't supposed to touch alcohol and, and drink wine, and it was this, this setting apart of him in order to be prepared for the ministry that would lie ahead in his life. In verse 17, we see the prophecy, he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah knew, would have known from learning uh, and studying God, the word that this was prophesied in the Old Testament. And we can look back to Malachi 3 verse 1 where we read this prophecy. Look, I am sending my messenger he will prepare the way before me. Then the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you look for is eagerly, is surely coming, says the Lord of heaven's army. So Zechariah heard the angel saying these words and in his mind he would have been like, okay, this was talked about. I'm a part of the fulfillment of the prophecy that was mentioned years ago. Malachi 4, verses 5 and 6 says this, I am, Look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. And so the angel is declaring these words directly from Malachi about John the son that was going to be born. He will be filled with the power and, uh, of Elijah. He will, he will prepare the coming of the Lord. We continue reading in Luke 1, and we see the birth of, of John and, and, the, and the announcement that Jesus is going to be born. And, and after John's born, we, we jump ahead to verse 76, where Zechariah prophesies about his own son. Zechariah declares these words about John and his future and where he would go and what he would do. And we'll continue reading in verse 76. And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death 
and to guide us to the path of peace. We see Zechariah declaring his prophecy that his son, John, would tell people how to find salvation. He would, have the, he would be the prophet of the Most High, the Messiah. He would guide people to forgiveness of their sins. And he would recognize it was through the tender mercies of, of God that he would be able to bring the light into the world. Verse 80 declares that John grew up and became strong in spirit. He lived in the wilderness until he began his public ministry to Israel. What I find interesting is that John goes into the wilderness. He doesn't just go from from being a child into ministry. He spends this time in the wilderness. And I, I really liken this to a training time for John. It's kind of that preparation for a marathon and there's weeks and months that lead up to the marathon and preparation for that event. John went into the wilderness and we see other times in Scripture where men and women go into wilderness experiences to prepare for what was next. And so John in the wilderness is, is out preparing, I'm sure learning, praying, growing, and equipping himself in order to be ready for when his call came to go and tell others about Jesus. His wilderness experience prepared him for what lied ahead. We're going to jump ahead to Luke 3, verses 1 to 4. At this time, a message from God came to John, the son of Zechariah, who was living in the wilderness. Then John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching to the people, preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to forgiveness. Isaiah had spoken of John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. And so we see John coming from the wilderness. He was prepared and he received this message and now he goes and he begins preaching. He begins telling the people about the importance of repenting of their sins and to be baptized and, and, and there's something that you're, that there's someone coming after me and in verse four it says, Isaiah had spoken of these. It's prophecy from Isaiah chapter 40, the voice of the one shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the coming Lord. Luke continues in verse 7. He says, When the crowds came to John for baptism, he said, You brood of snakes, who warned you to flee the coming wrath, prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. John's calling them out, right? He's saying, You, you're, you brood of snakes, you, you're living lives that are not right, and who's warned you about this? And, and, and they're coming and they're asking questions. And now he's saying, Prove it, prove it that you've made these changes. Prove that you, you're going to live a life for God by repenting, changing your ways, admitting what you've done wrong, and turning to God. Continues, don't just say that to each other, we're safe, we are, we, for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing, for I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce fruit, good fruit, will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. Verse 10 says, the crowds asked, what should we do? 
So people are coming to John and he's declaring, he's this voice in the wilderness declaring the coming of the Lord and, and the people are saying, okay, what do we do? How do we, how do we make the changes? And, and he, begin, he goes on to tell people like, if you have two shirts, give one away. So he's calling them to lives of generosity. He speaks to the texture collector and he says, be baptized and stop stealing from people. Stop taking things from people that aren't yours and, and charging more than you're supposed to. Stop doing evil things. He's calling for a change of, uh, of lifestyle, change of heart, change of attitude in order that it's evidence that you have been changed by Jesus. In verse 18 of this, this chapter, John, it says, John used many such warnings to announce the good news. And so John, in announcing good news, he would call people to repentance. He would call people to life change. And he said, this life change is evidence of the, what Jesus has done in your life. Let's jump over to the Gospel of John and, and we'll kind of read a little bit more about uh, John the Baptist. John 1, verses 6 to 9. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. So John was sent to tell about the light. John was not the light. He himself was not the light. He simply was the witness to tell about the light. The one who was the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. So John was this messenger that sent, was sent ahead. He was a neon sign pointing to Jesus saying, repent, be baptized, this, this is what you need to do, and there Jesus is. That's who you need. Let's finish by reading John 3, verses 28 to 30. You yourselves, this is John speaking, you yourselves know how plainly I told you. I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It's the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater, I must become less and less. Some powerful words that John is directing attention off of himself onto Jesus, and he's saying, okay, I am not the Messiah. I am not the light. The light is here, and he's pointing all his energy and all his focus to Jesus. As we think about this, these passages of, uh, of Scripture and look deeper into John the Baptist, I think there's a few things we can learn from him and his life. First, or John the Baptist made it very clear that he was not the Messiah, right? Over and over again, he would be questioned, are you the Messiah? Are you Elijah? Are you this? Are you that? And he's like, no, no, I'm not that. I'm not the Messiah. But I'm sent ahead to prepare and tell you who the Messiah is. And I'm preparing the way in order that the Messiah could come and do the work that he needs to do. John was, a, was aware that how he interacted with others, the influence he had on people was great. He recognized that what he was saying to people and how he was calling people out was, was a great influence and, and it was important, but he knew that that influence needed to be directed towards Jesus. And so he didn't take that influence and have the arrows pointing to himself. He's like, no, okay, this is what you need to do, but you need Jesus. Constantly 
redirecting and pointing towards Jesus. John knew the importance of raising Jesus to a greater level than himself. And he was okay with being second. He was okay with, okay with fading into the shadows of Jesus because he knew the, the importance of becoming less than in order to make Jesus greater. I like the illustration that, John, that he uses about the best man in a wedding, right? The best man is there to spotlight the groom. He's not there to be married. He's there to give attention to the groom. And, 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 and Jesus is the groom who marries the bride. And we are the best men in this journey directing the attention to Jesus. So I come back to the question, how do you become that neon sign pointing to Jesus? What do you need to do in your life? How, what attitudes and, and character changes and, and lifestyles do you need to do in order to be this sign pointing at Jesus? That all of your energy, all your focus is, okay, it's Jesus. This is what you need. We're called as followers to be uh, those who go out into the world and share the gospel and, and let people know who Jesus is. And so what does it take in your life to be this neon sign pointing to Jesus? First, I think we've got to recognize that we're not the Messiah. We're not the ones that they need. We may be influencers. We may do a lot of things to help encourage people towards knowing Jesus but we need, they need the Holy Spirit in their lives to do the hard work to change. And so we recognize first that we're not the Messiah. We need to allow them to know the Holy Spirit who will come into their hearts and change them. Second, we must do the work to prepare the way. We need to do the work to prepare the way that others would know him. It's gonna, it might mean getting messy. It might mean getting on our knees and praying. It might mean getting into the weeds with people and helping them to understand what they need to change and what they need to do. It's kind of like baking a cake, right? How many, of you got, how many of you are able to bake a cake without making a little mess first, right? You get all the ingredients together. You, you put your flour and sugar and, and oil and eggs and chocolate, whatever you're making, into a pan. You mix it all together and you put it in a pan, and what do you need to do with that pan, right? You don't just leave it on the counter and wait for it to get cooked. You got to put it in the oven, and when it enters the heat of the oven, the heat is actually what makes the transformation from liquid, gooey, unbaked cake to a finished product. And so we need to do the hard work of preparing the way for Jesus to come into the lives of these, uh, these people we know in order that he, the Holy Spirit can do the hard work of changing them to be willing to do the work it takes to prepare the way for Jesus. And third, I think we need to be ready to give an answer when people ask, what should I do? Be ready to give an answer when people ask, what should I do? What should I do with this? What should I do with that? Just like John did, he, he, knew, he had answers for the men and women who came to him and, and asked, what should we do? 1 Peter three fifteen says, instead you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks what, about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. So we need to be ready. We need to spend time training and equipping ourselves so that when people come and ask where your hope is, we're able to say Jesus. And all of our energy, all of our focus comes off of us and we say Jesus. And we become that neon light pointing to Jesus. So during this Christmas season, during this time when, when it feels like 
Hope maybe is hard to find because of all that's going on in the world. May you be prepared with the answer and be able to confidently say, my hope is found in Jesus, the Messiah, the one who was born on Christmas Day, who lived and died as a perfect sacrifice in order that payment might be made to provide the way of forgiveness so we might have relationship with God again. Would you join with me as I close in a word of prayer? God, thank you for sending your son to be born as a baby, to live a life as a perfect sacrifice for us. We had no way of uh, of being back in relationship with you without Jesus, and and we we are grateful. I'm grateful for the reality that Jesus came in order to do the work for me. God, give us as individuals, give us the church, the ability to to be messengers, to be neon lights pointing to Jesus because you are the only way. May we have a desire to go into our workplaces, into our schools, into our our daily lives and, and communicate the need for you. And may we be label wearers that say, Jesus is this way. Jesus is what you need. God, thank you for the freedom you provide through Jesus. We love you. We give you grace. We give, we give you love and grace. And we pray that you would just guide us this week. Let's pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.